Good morning. Welcome to Willow Park Church on this Mother's Day. To all the moms out there, I want to give you a big hug and say happy Mother's Day. For those of you uh, who are in England, don't panic. Um, Yes, it's happened for you. But here in Canada, today is Mother's Day. And I'm delighted and thrilled that we've been able to give out flowers at the church, have a drive through, welcome people here. And um, and it's been a real blessing. So hopefully you would have got a flower or will get a flower in some way. But we want to uh, wish you a very happy Mother's Day. We step into this service by... Uh, thinking about the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I want to thank you that if you're joining us uh, for the very first time, what a great time to join. If you're just dipping your toe into Willow Park Church, enjoy and may the Lord bless you. And for those that are regular online, our online campus, our online community, we are blessed that you have joined us. And I pray that today, through the worship And through the time that God will minister to you. Let me pray a prayer of blessing. Father, thank you for all the mothers this morning. Thank you for them. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for the way that they care. And I pray, Lord, that you will encourage them and bless them and wrap your arms around them and give them that, uh, uh, that great day, great day of celebration, that great day of excitement. Uh, I'm excited about it and I'm blessed that we can celebrate uh, the way that our mums truly have uh, sown into our lives in so many wonderful ways. So bless us, Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm going to hand over now to Chris and Jesse. They're going to lead us in the time of worship and I'll be back to share something really significant about India and uh, what is taking place and how we can step in, not step over, and how we can help. Thank you. Good morning, church family. I'm Chris, and this is Jesse, and we're super excited to lead worship for you this morning. Um, Would you just join me as I open up in prayer and as we just invite the Holy Spirit into our homes and to the place that we're all listening to this? Um, And I just bless you in your the place that you are, that, that the Holy Spirit would um, speak to you and, and speak revelation upon your life. So, yeah, God, we we love you. Thank you for worship, God, the gift of worship, the gift of music and song that we get to um, be creative and we get to um, sing out loud to you, the King of Kings. Would you just anoint this time of worship, Holy Spirit? Would you use us? Um, and go before us this morning this week and this year we love you so much pray this in your name amen Thank you. 
jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me And oh, how he loves us so And oh, how he loves us How he loves us so Yeah, he loves us And oh, how he loves us And oh, how he loves us And oh, how he portion, he is our prize, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes, his grace is an ocean, we're all sinking, so heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss in my
Every song we could ever sing and Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring and Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you In Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, and worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you, and holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in one. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Jesus Jesus the name above every other name the only one you could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my
our prayer. God, that we would build our lives upon your word, God, upon your truth of who you are. And God, we just thank you for this time together to worship as one body, as your church. We thank you for this time just to, just to reflect, to sing songs of praise and adoration sing songs that are the cries of our hearts that are prayers from our soul yeah God we just love you so much and we thank you for this time together Amen Build my life that's exactly what the Lord wants to do he wants to come and to work and to build what a process that is I feel like the Lord's been renovating my life for quite a long time he's had to bring in the wrecking ball and had to bring in the bulldozer and had to uh, it's a full job it's a full rebuild actually with my life and uh but what he's creating is pretty wonderful I have to be honest the way that he's shaping my life and leading me I'm so uh blessed that his ongoing process aren't you within your life he is shaping you well as you can see I've got uh, here North Indian COVID-19 relief I was contacted this week uh, by our denominations mission agency multiply formerly known as MB missions and multiply uh, wrote to me because of our connection into northern India and because of our long-standing relationship over 12 years with India. First of all, on a number level, you know that we have uh, supported children's homes 
that we have supported education for children and to go on to further education to college, university. As a result of this, those individuals have planted churches, done remarkable things. And there's something like nine churches directly connected uh, to us. And Multiply contacted us because they are our connection point, of course. And they said, Pastor Phil, there are pastors in trouble. There are families in need. There are congregations of MB churches in India that need help. There are your own students who you've supported, who have now been ministering and helping to start churches that are running out of money, that are finding it difficult to cope, that their savings have gone. And we want to invite and let you know about this. And we want to invite Willow Park Church into this journey to be able to bring relief to those connections that we have in the MB family in India. For example, pastors have died because of COVID already. Pastors have survived and yet they are now facing hundreds and hundreds of dollars of medical bills that they have no money to be able to pay. There are students that have come through our homes that have no money and are wondering where food will come from. The need, immediate need, is about 5,000 US dollars a month for the next couple of months. The overall need is around 30,000 Canadian dollars. Now, I know your heart. I know what I feel about this. I know that I have watched the shocking and painful images that have come uh, from, from India. We're seeing images that we only kind of see in, on, on black and white photographs from the Spanish flu era a hundred years ago when the Spanish flu pandemic took place and killed 50 million people and more. Well, we have an opportunity because it feels like such a big problem in India. We have an opportunity to focus our generosity, our care, our giving in a direction that we know that it will go to people that are connected to our family. It's a little bit like the church of Antioch that saw the famine that would come to Jerusalem for four years. And what did they do? They took an offering, they gave and they sent the apostle Paul to Jerusalem with the money to help them with the famine that was taking place. In some respects, this is a famine because people are hungry. Pastors are hungry. Students are hungry. And, but it's a pandemic. So people are dying. And we can see and we know because the news coverage is uh, daily and shocking. So I want to ask you, if you go to our website... And details will come up on the screen and follow the link. We have our North Indian COVID-19 relief appeal starting this weekend. And can I ask you to give and to give generously? Certainly the Holy Spirit's told me what I should give sacrificially. Uh, 
like many of us, we got our tax uh, refunds and the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to me this week. I want you to give this amount sacrificially. That means it oh, actually it, it pinches, but it should pinch when we give sacrificially and regularly and generously. And this is an opportunity to pinpoint our giving to the church in India that we have prayed for for a decade. Will you give? Will you go right now? Will you follow the link? Will you give and support? Can you drop a check off at the church? And let's try and reach this first 5,000. My dream would be that within a week we'll have 30,000. And that money will go to those that need it immediately. So Father, we pray that you will guide us and lead us and help us. We truly want to step into the crisis in India it's an unprecedented moment and we will not be found asleep. And so, Lord, we activate all the prayers of a decade of praying for India. And now we respond to this moment. Thank you, Lord. As we look at these emblems, they remind me that the body of Christ was broken for the world, a broken world. A world in darkness. But he came to bring light. Friends. Take the bread. Give thanks. For the body of Christ that was broken for you. To bring hope to this dying world. And eat it. In prayerful remembrance. Of all that he did for us. By paying the price for our sin. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. We thank you, Lord, that we were once condemned, that we were once guilty. But the blood of Jesus atoned for us and changed us. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and thank you for your generosity and stepping into this. And I look forward to giving you more reports and knowing where our generosity, our gifts are going. Let's go now to the Willow News. Thank you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us today. Here is your family news. We have two important meetings coming up at the end of May. Our finance meeting is happening on May 26th at 7 p.m. and our all church meeting on May 27th at 7 p.m. Both of these meetings will be happening online using Zoom. Please register to attend at willowparkchurch.com meeting. We look forward to seeing your kids every Sunday at Kids Church. We have in-person Kids Church available every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at both our Rutland and Mission locations.
We also have Kids Church Online, which streams on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. As always, you can also watch Kids Church On Demand anytime on our website, Facebook, or YouTube. We have some exciting news for all of you who enjoy camping. You are invited this summer to our Willow Park Church at Pines Bible Camp. Camping is available July 5th to 16th, and we will have special activities for all ages planned for the weekend of July 9th to 12th. Registration is now open, so be sure to register today as space is limited. Hey, Willow Park Church, Jordan Pilgrim here. This past year has been difficult, a long winding road as we navigate this pandemic, as we walk through this difficult time. We at Willow Park Church have been trying to find ways that we can help you and help us to be able to meet new people, meet people that have maybe just come to this church over this past year, or maybe allow you as a person to come into a place where you can finally meet some people or finally just talk to some people that you haven't talked to for a while. So Willow Park Church is teaming up with Pines Bible Camp near Grand Forks in Southern BC to give us two weeks of camp. From July 5th to the 16th, we have the camp to ourselves to come and bring your trailers, bring your tents and register there to be there, to be relaxed and to be in a safe, physically distanced atmosphere and to have some refreshment for your soul. So for the two weeks during the week, we just want to have a relaxing time where you can take some time to take in the area, take in Southern BC. There's some beautiful waterfalls, there's Christina Lake, there's some hikes, and there's some mountain biking. There's also a wonderful river that we can do a two and a half hour float down that is all set up for us there. So we want to encourage you to take some time this summer to come to camp. On the weekend from the 9th to the 12th, we will also have a bit more of a programmed camp with kids programming, youth programming, family programming, and a time for us to come again physically distanced, safe, but also get to know some people, get to meet some people, and just to relax and be in God's presence. Pines Bible Camp has so much stuff to do there. There's a wonderful ropes course, there's archery, there's wall climbing, and so many more things to do there. This summer, our goal is to give us a chance to relax and to be in God's presence and to be in each other's presence and to start to refresh our souls, to start to nurture what God has done in our lives. I want you to head to willoparkchurch.com and register there and find a place, find a time, invite some friends, invite some family in a safe, physically distanced manner. We want to give you an opportunity to meet some people and to be refreshed this summer. I hope to see you this summer, July 5th to the 16th, and the weekend is the 9th to the 12th. God bless. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. It is a joy to be with you this morning on this beautiful uh, spring, uh, blue skies. The sun is out. The team is outside right now at the south prepping uh, on lawn. And I am coming uh, live from the south this Sunday morning on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. All of those, I know Phil has already shared that this morning, but I just want to just uh, echo what he said. So grateful for all that you do, and a special happy Mum's Day to my mum. She gets two, she kind of gets the British one, and she gets the Canadian one, and quite right too. And uh, it's just a joy to be able to share with you on this beautiful day. And I hope that you get a royal fuss made of you 
as you uh, truly deserve it. And it's actually a nice segue in because yesterday, some of uh, one, one family at the South, Alison and Zoltz, they welcomed Amelia into the world. Uh, Alison gave birth just yesterday. Uh, so what's that, May 8th, I think? And uh, just a beautiful, we saw the pictures this morning, beautiful little girl, so well done, Alison and Zolt. I'm sure that you will be watching this morning, uh, getting your priorities right, and uh, it's just a joy to be able to, uh, to say congratulations. And also, big congratulations to Brianne and jo- Johnny Carey. Uh, Brianne and Johnny, I can actually say his words, his name properly. Uh, congratulations to you because they are expecting their first child. So there's lots of babies around the South. I just haven't met a lot of them yet. And uh, looking forward to meeting them and dedicating them. And uh, so I can't work out exactly when Brianne and Johnny are due, but... Uh, I know it's at some point in the next few months. How's that? Because I know that much about medicine. All right. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to move on to our second part of the Holy Spirit series. And I want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to last week's message, then please do so. You can find it on the website. Uh, all the media that we have from both our campuses is on there. And, uh, and I asked the question, are we charismatic now? And we looked at what the word charismatic actually means. And, and uh, we really dug into the scripture and saw that the promise of the Holy Spirit all through the Old Testament into the New Testament is very much for us today. Even though we recognize that the Holy Spirit, the whole theology and experience of the Holy Spirit in churches has got uh, varied views uh, through our own experiences, through our own views. And so I read an interesting quote this week that I want to share with you. This comes from Francis Chan. And, uh, you know, and one of the books that I've been reading is The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. This is a quote from uh, The Forgotten God. It says, most of us assume that what we believe is right. Of course we do. That is why we believe what we believe. But have never really studied it for ourselves. We were simply told this is the way it is and didn't question The problem is much of what we believe is often based more on comfort than our culture's tradition than on the Bible. So last week what I said was is that we have a high view of parts of the Bible. We have a high view of most of the Bible. But the parts of the Bible that might cause us some challenge or difficulty is often those parts of the Bible that we've either had a poor experience because a group of people or someone has interpreted the Bible incorrectly Or our personality just doesn't seem to mesh with the parts of the Bible that we're really passionate about, we might struggle with. And we believe that God must believe what we believe. Whereas the more you read the Bible and the more you study theology, you actually find that we're worshipping a God that has thoughts much higher than ours. And as Tim Keller says, I'm very grateful that we don't worship a God that just agrees with everything that we agree with. And so when we think about what the Bible actually says about the Holy Spirit and what our experience of the Holy Spirit is, often we, are, we resort to, well, this is the way it is. And we haven't actually searched out what the Bible actually says. We need to look at what the evidence actually says. Another thing that Francis Chan says, not in this book, but in his wider teaching, which I think is really helpful, is he, he paints the picture that if you were sat on a desert island and you didn't have any other book other than the Bible, and you started reading the Bible, you had no experience of Christianity, you had no experience, you didn't know anything about Jesus or God, and you just read the Bible, there'd be certain things about the way that the church operates that comes through the scriptures that you are going to see 
as, as evidence that you're going to say, well, this is what the church should be like. So you're going to see a group of people who love one another, work together, that they uh, share communion together, that they uphold the gospel together. These are the things that come through the pages of the scripture, that they pray together, they meet in each other's homes together. It's funny because actually right now in COVID, we're actually quite close to that original New Testament model of Christianity, of meeting outside, meeting in, in each other's homes, yards, and, uh, and, and talking about Jesus and talking about one another's lives and living life generously. And so you're going to see that coming through the scripture. But the other thing that you're going to see coming through the scripture, if you had nothing else but the Bible and no experience of Christianity, is you are going to see uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a high expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to be very much part of our lives. Not just some theory, but actually something that is evidential in our lives. That you can see the Holy Spirit work in the Old Testament. You can see the Holy Spirit work in the New Testament. So if you just had the Bible, that is what you're going to see. And so the question that really this poses for us as Christians, regardless of our background or our experience or our history, is have we looked, genuinely looked, at what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit? And I guess it also prompts a second question, and it's this. is When was the last time you were acutely aware of the Holy Spirit working in your life? Because if you read the New Testament, you're going to see time and time again that there was evidence shown, not just in the Scriptures, but in people's lives of the Holy Spirit working powerfully. And so it's, a, it's an interesting question. It's a convicting question. When was the last time you were aware of the Holy Spirit working in your life? Last week, we saw that Jesus, according to Philippians 2, emptied himself or limited himself in his divine attributes, he didn't, he didn't get rid of his divine attributes. They limited himself when he came to earth. And so that's why we say that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. We also saw that Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. Luke is filled with examples of Jesus operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, we wondered why. And, and part of the question was, I believe, is, that, is to show us that this is how we should live, that we should operate in the power of the Holy Spirit as well. So that we don't look back at the time of Jesus and say, well, Jesus did those miracles. He experienced those things. He was guided in that way because, yeah, duh, he's God. Well, actually, you'll see in Luke that he, he had those experiences. He was guided. He communed. He connected. He uh, loved spending time with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he relied on the Holy Spirit so that it's an example to us that we need to do the same. Uh, one, one writer that I've been list, uh, reading this week said this, that in many ways Jesus was helped by the helper. Um, and Jesus himself said near the end of his ministry, it is to, my adv- to your advantage, he said this to his disciples, that I go away because I will send a helper. And we're going to look at that scripture this morning. And it's to your advantage. Why? Why was it to our advantage? Why is it so important that as Christians that we really focus on this and we press into it. We don't ignore it because of our past experience or our past hang-ups or, dare I say, our past preconceived ideas that we think are right just because we think that they're right. Remember what Chan said? We believe them because we believe them because we believe them. Rather than getting hung up in that, that we actually listen to what Jesus said and ask ourselves the question, are we living in this way? Because 
If we dismiss the Holy Spirit, as many churches are in danger of doing so, they dismiss it, they make Holy Spirit uh, theory, uh, there is some force, and, uh, and really should be shelved because we don't understand too much of it, sometimes it'd be scary, that if we shelve it, then really what we're suggesting is that Jesus was lying. Was Jesus lying when he said it was to our advantage? Of course he wasn't. All the promises uh, are yes and amen in him. So if he wasn't lying when he said it's to our advantage, then surely we should be spending time and energy considering who the Holy Spirit is. Who is the Holy Spirit? And what does he do? And how does that fit into my life? And what relevancy does it have in my day-to-day life? Again, last week we talked about the people who are indifferent. They're not hostile towards God. It's not like they hate you or your God. There are some people in our culture that way, for sure. Um, but those people are just uninterested. Um, it was that apathyism. Do you remember that? It's like, I'm not hostile, I just don't care. And most people in our culture on the western side of Canada are like that. That They're comfortable enough, they're affluent enough, they're healthy enough, they're self-empowered enough to actually not need God. And so they don't give him a second thought. And I said last week that really the answer to that is what Paul shared. And he said this, I didn't come with powerful, persuasive words. He said this in 1 Corinthians. I came in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And so the key to our culture and our family and our neighborhoods and our friends, our children, coming closer, our co-workers, seeing Jesus in our lives is not our own effort, not our right words, not our new programs or our methodology, none of that. Because whatever we present and do in church, they can find better in the world. But what they can't find better is Holy Spirit. They can't find that power and demonstration of the Spirit, which is why Paul said, I didn't come with all fancy words. I came with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So these two thoughts actually tie in together. Jesus saying, it's to your advantage. Paul saying, I came with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And then all the way through Luke and all the way through the New Testament, you see evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? If Jesus wasn't lying, who was he? Well, let's look at Uh, some scripture where Jesus is actually speaking to his disciples. In in John in John fourteen verse sixteen. Did I go too ahead? Yeah, maybe. John fourteen verse sixteen through to seventeen. He says this this is Jesus talking, I will ask the Father. This was a prayer of Jesus. And he will he will, not maybe, not possibly, not, well, we'll see about it. But he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, we're going to look at those words a little bit later on, whom the world cannot receive. So that's the key. The world cannot receive this. Our culture cannot receive the Holy Spirit. The only way that our culture comes into contact with the Holy Spirit is through you and I. The only way that it comes in contact with the Holy Spirit is by Holy Spirit directly speaking to them and drawing them towards Jesus. It's not something that can be manufactured. It's not something that they're going to find. It's not an experience that they can pay for. It is something powerful and significant. The world cannot receive it, Jesus says, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the first thing I want you to see here in the words of Jesus is look at the pronouns he uses. Him, him, he. 
Everything that you read in the New Testament and the Old Testament about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is not an energy or force or something just to be shelved, to be used, or to tag into things that we hope will be effective, but he's actually a person. Jesus gives him a personal pronoun. Now, this is really significant because you can have a relationship with a person. You can't have a relationship with a force. Let me say that again. You can have a relationship with the person. You cannot have a relationship with the force. And so if you as Christian friends have sidelined the Holy Spirit because of past experiences or history or doctrine that has been misused or teaching that you believe just because you believe it, if it has made him this impersonal force in your life that you have distanced yourself from or maybe not distanced but you're just uninterested in, you don't see any relevancy, then actually that, that looking at him as some force or spirit is incorrect. Jesus refers to him as a person. He's a person. And as you read through the New Testament, and I haven't got the time this morning to take you through every scripture, but you're going to read things like this. You can grieve him, Ephesians 4 tells us. He loves, he thinks, he speaks, he guides, he prays. He even, it says in Hebrews, you can outrage him. So this is very much a personality and a person that Jesus refers to. And the beautiful thing is, is just like any other person, you can have a, and I choose the word specifically because it's the way that Jesus taught, you can have a relationship with him. A day-to-day, interactive, experiential relationship. In the same way you can have a relationship with your children or your spouse or your co-workers or friends, you can have it in the same way with the Holy Spirit. And that is really, really important for us to dwell on. Because if we can have a relationship with him, then we should, in the same way as we do with other people, should be seeking to strengthen that relationship. Which is why Paul says to be filled continually. Be being filled. You're going to hear me quote that a lot. That we should be continually seeking out the empowerment and the presence and the promise of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because we can have a relationship with him. And just like other relationships, friends, you need to hear this. He can withdraw, the Bible says. You can outrage him, the Bible says. You can grieve him, the Bible says. And so if you are treating a friend of yours poorly, then just like the Holy Spirit, they will withdraw. And so this might be a point of confession for us. We might need to get to the point where we actually confess that we have treated the Holy Spirit poorly. We wouldn't treat our friends and neighbors in the same way that we would treat the Holy Spirit. He is somebody that we can have a relationship with. And this is something else that tells me if he is a person, then we can't treat him in a mechanical way. So let me just very briefly explain what I mean. There are some churches, some denominations, some movements in the Christian world that treat the Holy Spirit like he can be a switch flicked. And if you say and do certain things, then he is going to come and he is going to fill and he is going to do on your behalf. Like that often quoted, like he's the, uh, you know, you put your money in, you get your Diet Coke out. You cannot treat the Holy Spirit in a mechanical way. He comes and goes in any way he sees fit. He has, he has a will just like God, because he is God, has a will. So you can't push his buttons and say certain things or do certain things or play certain music or speak certain words. You can't mechanically make him come or do anything. In fact, that's a terrible way to treat any person. 
That's a terrible way. You cannot repeat like a mantra, a piece of scripture 20 times a day and expect the Holy Spirit power just to suddenly descend because you've said. That's like casting a spell. That is totally unbiblical. He's a Holy Spirit that we can develop a relationship with. He's not a force that we mechanically just, um, just kind of order about. And some churches have an emphasis on the Holy Spirit in such a way where it is mechanical. We're going to sing these songs and we're going to do these type of services and we're going to say this and do this and the Holy Spirit comes. Now, for those of you who might be going, yeah, they see, this is why I'm not happy about even referring to charismatic or the Holy Spirit. Trust me, it is, a, it is still as sinful to ignore him and treat him like a force that is just a theory. We need to seek him out as a relationship, as somebody that we can have a relationship with. And here's what is so amazing about that, because not only is he a person, he's God. He's God. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper. This word, another helper, this word, alos, another, literally means not just a, uh, not just a different person, but like another, another of the same kind, another of the same kind like Jesus. And that's why Jesus in verse 23 said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. You see, this is a brilliant verse to look at the Trinity, which we can't get into, but this is Jesus saying, I'm going to go, but at the same time, I'm coming. So there's this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, this person of the Holy Spirit, who is God. He is the one right at the beginning in Genesis 1-1, who was hovering on the chaos of the chaos of the of the of the waters, who brought creation, who brought a new beginning into the world, all that power. He enacted the word of God into being. It's so phenomenally powerful. And Jesus is saying, this is where our meager minds have have no real ability to grasp the enormity, Christian friend, of who is living in you, because in you is God Himself. God Himself. Why is this important? Why is it important that we focus on the Holy Spirit? Why is it important that we recognize and honor and seek out and build a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Why is it sinful to ignore him as some mechanical force? Why? Because Jesus himself said it's to your advantage and it's to the advantage of our community. It's to the advantage of our world. It's to the advantage to the disinterested person in your life. That your relationship with the Holy Spirit, the mystery that it is, that he is God living in you. Because Jesus says you're going to do greater things than Jesus. He said that. That's not me making this up. Greater things. It also says in Second Peter that his divine power, whose divine power? Whose divine power? God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So who has given us all this? What is it that he's given us? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need for life, you have been given, Christian friend. Everything. You lack no good thing. What we lack is relationship with that good thing. Maybe a better word would be fellowship. I I avoid that word sometimes because fellowship has been resorted to cookies and Timbits or or coffee at the end of the service. We're going to do fellowship. But fellowship is actually a legal covenantal word, this connection with the Holy Spirit. That's what we lack. 
We don't lack God's willingness to give. We don't lack God's ability to give. We don't lack anything in us that has been given to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. What we lack is communion, connection, and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. With many of us, he's withdrawn and we've grieved him. And so he is God. And our city and our world need Christians who are spirit-filled, who are empowered by the Spirit. You have the divine living in you, this scripture says, the presence of a glorious person who makes much of Jesus living in you so that when you go into that meeting, when you speak on the phone or if you're on Zoom or if you go into the coffee shop or you're in the bus or you're waiting in traffic, wherever it might be, that you have everything you need for life and godliness that the divine himself pointing to Jesus lives in you, lives in you. And the more that we seek out fellowship and relationship with him, the more that becomes evident. That's why when I referred to revivals a couple of weeks ago, the people of God. You remember that order that we looked at with revival that you can see in the New Testament. First, there's a, there's a desperate need. There's a crisis. And you can see it in the Old, New Testament. You see it in the Old Testament. You can see it in the past 2,000 years in different parts of the world. You can see it now. There's a crisis in culture. Then there's a seeking of God by God's people. Then there's a visitation by God that is often miraculous and sometimes uncomfortable reading because it makes us feel, wow, I don't know whether I'd even like that. There's a visitation. So there's a crisis, there's a seeking, there's a visitation. Then there's a habitation that God doesn't just visit, he inhabits his people. And then there's transformation that communities and families and neighborhoods are changed by God himself inhabiting his people. That's the promise that was predicted in the Old Testament in Joel. And that's the promise that is available to you and I as Christians. That's amazing. I can't hammer this nail home enough. But it does cause us to ask a big question and cause us to pause. So the first question was that I asked is, do we have a Holy Spirit? Do we, do we remember a time or do we have the Holy Spirit actively uh, working our lives? Are we acutely aware of that? Second is, do we treat the Holy Spirit like a person or a force? And should we confess from that? I guess another question is, is if the Holy Spirit is to dwell in us, Gives us the ability to be Jesus-like in our world that desperately needs that. If, if we have that ability, then does something else live in his place? On a day-to-day basis, what is actually dwelling in us? If it's not the Holy Spirit, and I have to humbly suggest that if it was the Holy Spirit, our community might look very, very different than it does now. But if the people of God are truly inhabited by his people and that by the Holy Spirit, and that leads to transformation, if that's not happening, ergo, what is living in us? What is dwelling in our minds? I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's not living in you. If you're a Christian, he's there. We, we know that. But actively dwelling, actively inhabiting, actively impacting, is he doing that or is something else taking his place? What feeds your life? What are the results of that? Where does your mind go when you're not thinking of anything else, really? 
What are your leanings? What are, you could say, what are the idols that we worship? What are the things that we chase after? Are you impacted by being conscious of the Holy Spirit? Are the people in your world being impacted by your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Is that happening on a day-to-day basis? Or are we resorting to our own power, our own beliefs, our own thoughts, our own methods, and trying to woo or worse, argue people into heaven? How does it impact others? Because the next question, if we say, who is the Holy Spirit? And by the way, for me to be able to try and explain the Holy Spirit is completely impossible. It's like trying to fit the infinite into a box. I mean, how do you even begin to do that? That we cannot understand the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. So how do we understand the Holy Spirit? When he is God. How do we understand God? We can't do that. So for me to sit here in 30, 35 minutes and try to explain to you the entirety of who the Holy Spirit is, is crazy. But I want you to just know two things this morning, hopefully to give you an impetus to look into it yourself and give you a vigor and an enthusiasm to focus this in your life, that he is a person. He wants a relationship with you. That relationship can be damaged. That relationship can be strengthened. And he is God. You have everything living inside of you for life and godliness. You have everything living inside of you to see our world transformed. But if we're focusing on our mind and our attention and we're dwelling with other things, then that is not going to be evidenced. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, let's see what Jesus says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So we're going we're gonna to look at these two terms, but in opposite round, in opposite way round. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, Jesus is referring to this term as the spirit of truth. Elsewhere in Scripture, you'll see this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, Um, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all I have said to you. There's this beautiful teaching of how the Holy Spirit, or this study through the New Testament, how the Holy Spirit empowers our words and our thoughts so that we know what to say in the right time. That's really helpful because I'm, I'm often just making a complete mess of things. So I need the Holy Spirit's help for sure in that respect. But what I want to focus on this morning is how the Holy Spirit was actually there and guiding and inspiring would be the theological word or the doctrinal word, those people in the Bible who wrote the Bible. We we can read that in, in 2 Peter. It says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as he were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so you have these people in the, in, the, in the Bible who were writing inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is a whole other teaching to be able to show you how this worked. And I'm, I'm hoping going to be able to actually teach on this again in the fall, how the integrity of the, of the Bible But for now, what I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit was present in the formation of the Bible, the inspiration of the Bible, and also he is present in in instructing us in the things of the Bible. So here's what I want to land with you, is that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the Bible come alive. Look at what Jesus said, that the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. 
So if you are wondering what the power and the presence and the closeness and the guidance and the teaching and the counseling of the Holy Spirit is, if you're wondering where the transformation is, the answered prayers are, where the, the, the impact that you're having in your world, in your neighbors, in your family, if you're questioning whether or not God has got any real relevance in your life, the question that I would want you, Christian friend, to ask first and foremost is how much time do you spend reading his words? Because those words are power, they are spirit, and they are life. In Colossians, it says we should let the word of God dwell in us richly. Richly. So something's been happening to me over the last year or so that I've been in a state of denial over. It's been part of my wife's life now for a couple of years, and and I have to confess, especially on Mother's Day, that um, that maybe there may have been once or twice where I have uh, I, I've made fun of her just a little bit in a very gentle and loving way. Uh, but for me, now it's caught up with me. I knew it was going to come, and, and now it, it has arrived. Not quite to the stage yet where uh, it's significantly problematic. So when I go to restaurants, I can still read menus without my glasses. Um, but I am finding that I am having to push the words further away from my face, and then you kind of open your eyes wider, and then maybe your mouth as well. And you're, you're doing all sorts of facial expressions to try and get the words that are blurry to come into focus. And so I've got myself a pair of reading glasses, and even worse, my wife doesn't do this, is I find myself keeping them at the lower part of my nose, so I look out over them, and so I've got that classic kind of, I don't know how to describe it. I always think, I don't know why, but I always think accountants and lawyers have glasses like this, whether they need them or not. Or, they just, or, the, or old school teachers, where they have them over, or librarians, which my wife is. Where you look them over the nose and you're looking out over everybody. And it, you just kind of feel like you've got a bit of a presence in the room when you do that. But these reading glasses, I need these reading glasses in order to be able to read. I can manage. It's like my arm, it's like, it's still... It's still long enough. You know, I can manage without them. But the world, my reading world, is not in vision, is not clear without them. Holy Spirit is exactly the same when it comes to reading the Bible. The Bible dwelling in us richly gives us a lens to look at life through. It gives us a lens to parent through, to work through, to run businesses through, through the whole of life, which is why Jesus said that they are life. This is not something that we can just put aside. And if there was one thing that I would, would want for all of you is for you to fall in love with reading your Bible. Yes, there are times, like if you're stuck in Leviticus, I'm in Numbers, that if you're stuck in Leviticus or parts of the Old Testament, it's, it's hard work. I encourage you to change uh, versions to make it easier to read. But remember, the Old Testament speaks to Jesus coming. And so the, the, the whole story, you've got to look at it as a whole story, which is why I love devotionals. But I, I would suggest that you don't just read the Bible by reading the sentence or two at the bottom of these great devotionals, because you're not getting a whole story. Read your whole Bible. Get a Bible reading plan and discipline yourself just like you brush your teeth every day or twice a day and floss and all those things that we know everybody does. Read your Bible and the Holy Spirit will make it come alive in you and you will start looking at life through it and that changes you. There's something profoundly powerful. It makes you alive. It gives it, the Holy Spirit makes the Bible vivid and attractive and powerful and life 
changing. And then Jesus goes on in this scripture also to refer to him, not just as the spirit of truth, guiding you in all truth through the word of God and other ways as well. But even those other ways are grounded in the word of God. So if somebody gives you a word of prophecy, wonderful. But if it's not in alignment with the word of God, the Bible, then you reject it. You can say pastor said so, reject it. The spirit of truth will guide you and he will always guide you in the right way. It will always be grounded in the Bible. And Jesus said he is our helper. This word helper is really interesting. Actually, is the word paraclete, not like para, parrot or it, paraclete. It, and, it, and it literally means counselor or comfort. It's actually a really hard to tra- word to translate. It can mean comforter, it can mean counselor, it can mean helper. And some of those words, comforter, I always think of it like a big blanket or counselor, some bouncy drinking Coke through a sock. Camp counselor, if you don't know what I'm talking about, drinking Coke through a sock, then you've never been to one of our youth gatherings. But not, I, that's a difficult word. The, one of the best words, I think, to describe what paraclete means is advocate. That the Holy Spirit is our advocate because para means alongside, cleat means speak. So he speaks alongside of. He's alongside you, speaking for you, giving you, guiding you in all truth, and on behalf of you. So in those moments when you are feeling like the Satan is condemning you because of the things that you have done or things you've said or things you've done, it's the spirit of truth that will remind you, Christian friend, of who you are. Oftentimes he'll remind you that you should be spending more time in the Word of God. Because in the Word of God you are reminded who you are. So in those times when you're feeling condemned, when other people are condemning you, when you are condemning yourself, it is the paraclete, the helper, the counselor, comforter that comes and reminds you who you are in the sight of God, that you are a child of God. Romans 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, that you are a child of the King. And we forget that. And who is it that reminds us? The Holy Spirit. And how do we turn the volume up so that is louder than the words of the world or the words of our own mind sometimes? How do we turn that up? Through the Word of God. Through developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And as we saw last week, by asking the Father who has promised to give you good gifts. What is that good gift? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So, this is such an encouragement to me. Because in our hands, we have the opportunity to develop a beautiful relationship with the Holy Spirit as a person who is God. We have an opportunity just by in our hands, reading the Word of God, meditating on it, spending time in it, speaking it, praying it. And it indwells you richly. And in that richness, in those dark times, those times where you feel you are distant, when you are being accused, when you are being reminded of who you once were by the liar of liars, that it's the Holy Spirit as you've enriched that relationship, who is empowered within you, who will remind you, no, you are a child of the King. And how is it you're a child of the King? Through Jesus. Because here's what the Holy Spirit does. He continually points to Jesus. He doesn't point to himself. 
So if we go to a church and we notice that the emphasis is all on the Holy Spirit and all his gifts, can I tell you that all the Holy Spirit is about, all the gifts are about, is bringing attention to Jesus. Because in Jesus, we are pointed to the gospel. And in the gospel, we are reminded that there's a new kingdom. And this new kingdom, as we become part and citizens of this new kingdom with King Jesus on the throne, it's not just about escaping hell and getting into heaven. It's about living with heaven on earth today and it continuing into eternity. And you are reminded, you are welcome, you're accepted, you are, you are part of this family. And so when Satan comes and reminds you differently, if you have spent time in relationship and building that relationship and asking the Holy Spirit to fill you powerfully, then the words of God come quick. If you do not spend time with the word of God, if you have just uh, just every now and again, or it's one or two sentences on the bottom of devotions, as good as they are. If that is how you have relegated the Holy Spirit and relegated the Word of God in your life, then your life is not going to have the evidence of the power and the presence of Jesus in it. Period. Period. What it's going to show is evidence of whatever it is that you are dwelling in. We are living in an amazing world. There's technology everywhere for this Bible to get in your heart and your mind and your mouth. You can read it. Love that. You can listen to it. You can sing it. You can dwell on it. There's amazing apps. There's amazing technology to enable you to be surrounded by the Word of God. And often we just look past it to our own things. Friends, today, this week, make a commitment to spend time dwelling in the Word of God, asking Him to fill you richly, gazing at the gospel of Jesus Christ, of what He did for you on the cross. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Jesus Himself said that. And if you're listening to a preacher that doesn't seem to have an emphasis on Jesus, but maybe an emphasis on themselves or on the Holy Spirit and all the gifts and the power and, and all, that, um, all, the, all the evidence... I say that in inverted commas of the Holy Spirit. If that's what the emphasis is, then you're listening to the wrong preacher. Because John 15, when the helper comes, what did Jesus say? He will testify about who? Himself? No, me, Jesus. John 16, 14. He will glorify me, not himself or the preacher or the writer or the church. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. It's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. And so if we are pushing him away through fear, then we are actually pushing away a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ himself. And so as I come to a close this morning, what I really want to encourage you to do, those of you who really feel called to be Jesus followers, read your Bible, learn your Bible, dwell in your Bible, spend time in the Bible, ask the Father to fill you, empower you, build you up in the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and counsel you and remind you of who you are in him. Not for your glory, but for his glory. That when Satan comes and reminds you of things that have gone, remind him that you are forgiven. That your sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. Remind him of who he is in the name of Jesus. That you are a child of God and in you pertains to all things that pertain to life and godliness. The divine in you. Remind yourself about it. Journal it. Sing it. I encourage you to dwell, live in that. So that he would dwell and live in you, evidentially in your life. Not just by theory or by theology.
That's my prayer for you this week. And if you don't know the Holy Spirit, because Jesus himself said, you cannot know the Holy Spirit. You can have no part of the Holy Spirit outside of Jesus. That you would see in Jesus there is life and hope. That in Jesus there is something worthy of your worship. Not your possessions, your possessions and your home and your family, as nice and wonderful as they are, by God's grace given to you, they are not worthy of your worship. Your bank account is not worthy of your worship. It is not big enough, ultimate enough, important enough, powerful enough. Jesus is worthy of your worship. And he promises that as we turn our attention upon him and we ask for his forgiveness, that he will forgive, that he brings hope, he brings clarity and purpose. And then he sends the advocate, the helper, to our advantage. And so as we come to an end, if you're watching this live online, then you can click on the connect button. And we'd love to hear uh, of any questions you might have. Or if you want to come to know Jesus today, then we have a whole team who is helpful in, in, in helping you in that and praying for you in that. But you have, you have things to do, Christian friend, this week. Let's set time aside to be filled and to dwell in him, in Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. That is my prayer for you today. God bless you. As always, we miss you. I'm going to go outside now and preach again this same message on lawn in the beautiful sun. If you want to get in on this, it, it fills up quickly because we've got kids' church happening as well. So uh, Courtney is leading Kids Church at 1030. We've got church on lawn. It's fantastic. We have a lovely time. There's some back and forth. It's relaxed. It's like a barbecue without the barbecue. But as soon as we can have the barbecue, we're going to have that as well. Uh, his worship is beautiful. So I encourage you to book into that and come say hi. And because we miss you. We love you. And we're looking forward to seeing you very, very soon. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord. I pray now as we just come to the end of our time together that these words, your word, Lord, not my words, but what I have tried to impart would dwell in hearts and minds. That, Lord, we would prioritize our time with you. Holy Spirit, you would fill us, empower us, give us the boldness that you promise. That, Lord, that we would just emanate (laughs) as ministers of reconciliation, you said, that we would just be a fragrance of you, Jesus, in the world that so desperately needs you. Thank you for this beautiful gift. Forgive us for sidelining it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Mother's Day.